Griffiths again. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Pure Football Podcast, unbiased, in-depth, Scottish. I'm your host, Gavin Miller, and as ever, I'm joined by my regular co-host, Owen Brown. Owen, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, Gavin. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you, mate. Really good. And I'm also joined by special guest and European Fitba Show panellist, Byron Hutchison. Byron, how are you? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. On tonight's show, we said we would have a, a quick look at the the Austria squad uh, as we prepare for, for Scotland facing Austria this coming Thursday. And Byron, you, you know, you've got a, a really strong handle on all things Bundesliga, uh, obviously re- relating to your, your day job. But with 19 of the 29-man squad coming from the Bundesliga, there's a, a real strong presence in, in this Austrian squad. And you know we're going to get some insight into some of the, the players. But there was obviously a, a little bit of uh, concern just around about whether these players would be able to travel. Uh, so I think Austria initially announced a, a 40-man squad. Bayern, are you able to give us just a quick insight into why that was? And then also, if you can give us any thoughts on just the... Why there's so many Austrian players in the in the Bundesliga? Sure. So uh, the issue for Austria uh, was that the Bundesliga-based players having to quarantine upon return to Germany because the UK has was designated as a, a virus variant area by the Robert Koch Institute, which is the sort of the German government's um, health body. I'm not entirely sure how to describe that properly, but they essentially uh, set out the guidance for, that the German government follow. And because the the UK was a virus variant um, region or whatever, um, anyone who had been there would have to quarantine. So quarantine, sort of mandatory, uh, upon return. It gets really complicated in that, although that's the sort of blanket rule, it's down to each individual federal state to enforce that, depending on the situation in their state at the time. So, um, so even before Austria announced their their full team, for example. Um, Kai Havertz and uh, Timo Werner were returning to the from the UK to Germany to play for Germany, um, and the the DFB had arranged that themselves by getting in touch with the the local authority where the match was being played and clearing that up for the Austrian national team or, or the the players in the Austrian national team. That's obviously difficult because there was so many of them, like you said, nineteen of them. So it would mean the UFB or the the Austrian Football Association would have had to get in touch with every individual. Um, federal state and try and obtain some sort of special uh, special allowance for each player. Um, I think wow. the the reason they called up the the forty players or the forty one players, I'm not. I think it was forty one. Um, in the first place, is was just to try and mitigate that. They weren't sure um, if, if there were sort of rumors circulating later in the week uh, last week that the Robert Koch Institute was going to remove the UK from that virus variant list, which would then changed the rules regarding quarantine. So I think they called up the 40 people in hope that they could then reduce it down as they have now. As it happened, um, they didn't remove the UK from that list early on Friday. I think it happened really quite late. Um, And then the news sort of started to trickle through on Saturday during the Bundesliga matches. 
um, that players were being allowed to go. So I think uh, Hansi Flick said David, David Alaba would be there. Um, Matarazzo said that Kalajic would be there. So um, a bit, bit of an ordeal for them and not an ideal uh, setup for an international match. But um, in the end, they've basically got their, their full strength squad going. Yeah, it's, it really is a full-strength squad and uh, there's some really interesting names across that and I think we'll continue to focus in on the, the ones that uh, ply the trade in the in the Bundesliga but they're, you know it's really well represented from players from uh, obviously Bayern Munich, Wolfsburg, Leverkusen, Hoffenheim, Red Bull, Frankfurt, Gladbach. Um, you know, it's a real strong squad and a lot of really interesting individuals so I thought we could just discuss through some of the individual players um, and get some of your, your thoughts on it and Owen please feel free to, to give us any additional opinions that you have on the on the players but Byron we sort of discussed a little bit about uh, we would look at David Alaba, Javier Schlager, uh, Christoph Bumgartner, Marcel Sabitzer and Sasa Kaljadzic and I know that you're uh, particularly high on one hype train, but we'll we'll get to that as we go through it. But talk to me a bit about David Alaba in terms of how his season's been. Obviously, he's uh, he's not renewing his contract at Bayern, is he? So um, really interesting to see what what happens with with him. But yeah, just give me your thoughts on how his season's been and and why we need to 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 look out for him as the as the game on Thursday. Yeah. So weirdly, Alaba's probably. The most well known of the anyone in the squad, obviously, but he's the hardest to kind of uh, judge when it comes to the national team because he plays a completely different position. So mm. most people kind of know him as a left back, and he's now moved into centre back for Bayern Munich. Um, but for Austria, they've always kind of played him, uh, as far as I know, as either a centre midfielder or um, even further up, so on the left wing or a left attacking midfielder. Um, and he's he's obviously a brilliant footballer. He's really really technically sound and can play really anywhere on the pitch. Um, there's a reason he plays for Bayern Munich. Um, so mm. I, he's obviously a brilliant player. It's hard to judge him for the national team. And I don't know if you guys have um, maybe watched some footage uh, more recently than I have of him for the national team. Um, because I think he was playing centre midfield. I think they tend to play mm -hmm. a, a four-two-three-one, and he was one of the double pivot um, generally, or maybe slightly further forward on the left. Um, but he's a brilliant footballer. There's kind of not too much else to say other than that. Yeah. Um, I think. I th yeah, sorry, Owen. If you if you have any thoughts on him regard for Austria, um, go ahead. Not really. It's been a while. Um, I think the same as the rest of us since I've watched him play for Austria. So I'm kind of a little bit curious, like you as well, to see exactly what role um, he plays for. I guess the position I would come to um, next, if it's maybe asked to. Okay, to ask about one that's a little bit off menu is goalkeeper. Um, it's quite mm. quite intriguing position for me for Austria, given that Daniel Bachmann has made the squad. Um, who I'm very pleased for. I was very impressed by when he played at Kilmarnock, and he seems to have um, gone back to Watford and, and managed to get the number one starting jersey there, which is great for him. And you know, if he plays, this would be his debut. He's um, never been capped at senior level for Austria, but I, I was guess I was wondering on that um, if Byron had any thoughts about. Pavel Pervan, who seems to have been starting previously, plays for BFL Wolfsburg. Um, doesn't seem like there's a definite kind of number one in amongst the camp. Have you? He doesn't seem as though he's played much. Is he not starting this season for his club side? No. So Cohen Castiles is the the regular starter for Wolfsburg, mm. but Pervan's a very good standing. Um, I think okay. there was a, a run of games last season where 
Uh, he, he had to come in for sort of five or six matches, I think. Uh, maybe even maybe even more. I think it was early last season. He did really, really well. Um, okay. So I think he's a capable stand-in, but like you say, lacking sort of match time. I think he's only played one game this season as well. Mm. It looks like he started the kind of last few games uh, for the national team at least, so maybe he'll continue to get that spot, but that'll be an interesting one to watch. Gavin, were you going to ask about any other players? Yeah, so just quickly on the goalkeeping situation, it is interesting that uh, so Pervan's had the more, more recent spots, but uh, Pervan's replacement at uh, LASK, Lines, um, Alexander Schlager, I know is a very, very highly rated uh, goalkeeper, only 25, um, got I think three or four caps, but I know that there's been a lot of speculation that he'll be the next sort of player to to move to uh, Pastures New from, from the Austrian division, and I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on as well, just longer term to see how he goes, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting position, but yeah, I think the next one we said we would get a bit of insight was uh, Xavier Schlager, who for me is is a really interesting player, um, really lots of energy in terms of going box to box, uh, playing for Wolfsburg, who we just sort of spoke about, followed, followed, followed uh, Oliver Glasner um, to to Wolfsburg from, from LS, LESK. Uh, Byron, give me a bit of insight into what sort of player he is. And I guess he's not going to be the sort of player that's going to, uh, I guess, be dictating play, but he's a ball of energy, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, Schlager's very good. I think um, if I were, it's hard to predict a team, but if I was trying to predict the, because if you look at it, their last couple of games, they change formation, personnel, mm-hmm. kind of get their midfield kind of seem to be playing all over the place, depending on the opponent. Um, but if I were to guess, I think maybe Schlager and Alaba might play in the double pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, Schlager, like you say, is a ball of energy, really combative in midfield. Um, he's not sort of, He's not the, the best passer of the ball or anything, but he's very capable of picking a, a sort of piercing pass. I think he's got he's only got three assists this season in total, but two of them are in his last two games. There was a really good one uh, against Hoffenheim where he, he kind of played the ball through the both the midfield and the defensive line um, for Veghorst to run in on the end of. Um, he's technically decent, um, but yeah, you're, you're right in saying that his real asset is his energy um, and his sort of ability to break up opposition play. Um, I think uh, the reason I say him and Alba together is more because in my own head that would work. Um, mm-hmm. Having yeah. someone technically se- technically sound like Alaba and someone a bit more combative. Alaba's obviously more than capable of getting stuck in. He plays at centre-back. But um, I think letting Alaba um, distribute the ball while, while Schlager breaks up play and kind of does some of the defensive work uh, could be a good pairing for them. Yeah, absolutely. And just to add on, uh, on Schlager, he's above the league average for interceptions, tackles, defensive duels attempted and one, aerial duels attempted and one. So I think it kind of says a lot about what uh, you can expect from him. And obviously that's at a very high standard of the of the Bundesliga. To move to, I guess, maybe someone who's more recently broke into the squad, Christoph Baumgartner from Hoffenheim, only 21. What have you seen of him, Byron? Is, he feels like he could potentially be a bit of a, a wild card in this game. Yeah, Baumgartner is an interesting one. Um, so he's obviously at Hoffenheim, who haven't had the best season. Um, and I feel like a, a lot of the um, impetus from a creative standpoint in that team is on Christoph Baumgartner. But like you say, he's only he's only 21, so it's quite a lot of pressure for him. Um, and they tend to, it's sort of a case of if he plays well, the team plays well. Mm. Um, and at the moment, he's fairly inconsistent, but he shows uh, a lot of good quality. Um, and he, he has a lot of 
good aspects to his game. He's a bit of a number eight, really. So sometimes mm-hmm. you'll see him same playing centre mid. Sometimes he gets played a bit further forward behind Andre Kramerich um, at club level. I think he only has five caps, so I'm not entirely sure if he'll be starting, but he's definitely a danger man for them and someone that can at least bring some creativity off the bench. Um, really good technical passer, really good at receiving the ball, really picks up really dangerous spaces, uh, dangerous positions uh, and half spaces, sorry. Um, so, yeah, a really crafty, clever player, um, just maybe a little bit inconsistent at the moment, but as a 21-year-old, he's a pretty exciting talent. Yeah, absolutely. There was a few things that stood out to me. I, I had a quick look at his sort of advanced data and some some sort of clips of him as well. And and you're right to call it. He might not necessarily start, but um, so he's he's slightly underperformed his xG. His xG is at six point four one. He's got five goals. Uh, he's I think in terms of again some of the advanced stats. I think he's in the top percentile for uh, successful dribble attempts per ninety minute for the most deep completions most touches in the box and most shots. And obviously that's all from the sort of, as you said, the number eight sort of space. But being able to do that for Hoffenheim, I think it you know, says a lot about how important he is uh, to that team and just have a feeling that this could be the sort of player that you know could cause us a bit of a bit of an issue in terms of how we handle him and try and stop him. If you say if he's on his game, I guess the, the data would suggest that he's someone to really keep an eye on. Someone who's I guess guaranteed to start would be Marcel Sabitzer, who I think we're probably all uh, a big fan of. Byron, what about Sabitzer? How's his season been for Red Bull? Yeah, he's had a really good season. He's obviously absolute quality. Um, he's one of the best centre midfielders in the league. I would suggest probably one of the, the top central midfielders in Europe, really. Um, generally, I think it's be, it'd be interesting to see how he plays for Austria as well. And I think, to be honest, it's kind of the case for the whole team because a lot of their mm. players, when they turn up for the national team, get shuffled around from where they play for their mm-hmm. club. So whether it's Alaba being moved further forward, I think even someone like Valentin, uh, Valentino Lazaro has been played up front for yep. Austria before. Um, and Sabitzer's another one who sort of started his career as a more attacking midfielder and even up until sort of last season or the season before was playing that role for, for Leipzig. But after they... Um, kind of moved on from Diego Dema, uh, Marcel Sabitzer found himself slightly deeper in midfield, and that's where he's been playing this season. Um, I don't think that will be the case for Austria. I think they'll probably play him at the 10 spot, which is uh, frightening for us because he's, he's brilliant on the ball. He's got a lot of sort of hustle and bustle about him as well, can get up and down the pitch really well, can run with the ball, can obviously pick passes, and uh, he's got a rocket of a right foot on him as well, and great technique when he's hitting the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Owen, have you got anything to add to Sabitzer? Uh, just that I would agree about being frightened of him. I think uh, <laughs> Byron summed that up really well, but I guess the thing you would say about him is, um, yeah, just really well-balanced uh, type of player, I think, that has a little bit of all the things you might want. You know, he can press really well. Like Byron yeah. said, he's a shooting danger, um, technically very good, you know, can be aggressive as well. So just one of these kind of... Um, players that kind of gets and does it all, I would say, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit scared about him to be frank. Um, but yeah, <laughs> let's let's move on and, and see who else there is that, that Byron might be. Maybe actually, sorry, one point maybe about because we're talking about midfielders with Schlager, Alaba being a midfielder for them, Sabitzer and Baumgartner. I think um, Julian Baumgartlinger won't be there obviously because he's injured and yep. he's normally uh, captain, I think, yep. um, for the national team. Obviously, normally starts as one of the the two holding midfielders in a four two three one. 
Um, so with him out, I think there's every chance that someone like Baumgartner might play further forward and Schlager and Alaba might play that double pivot. And then they might have uh, Sabitzer as a 10, um, but just mm. guessing at this point. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of people for us to be concerned about. And whilst I think to to most people uh, in Scotland, they probably won't be immediate household names, but there's lots of dangers in this in this team. And I guess let's get to the 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 reason that we were able to get you on this pod um, for your Sasa Kalyadzic uh, hype train, taking that all the way to the top um, with your six foot seven monster. Uh, how do you uh, yeah. deal with Kalyadzic? Yeah, so I think even we've not done a European pod for a while, but I think I've been banging on about him since the start of the season. Um, so yeah, as you say, he's he's massive. He's six foot seven. He's had a brilliant season um, so far. I think the the funny thing about him is that really he shouldn't have played as many games as he has. Um, but Nicholas Gonzalez has been injured uh, quite often for Stuttgart, and he's stepped into his place and uh, scored goals whenever he's been asked to. So he's got thirteen goals this season, um, four assists. I think I think that's I think he's got like 0.81 uh, goals per ninety um, non penalty goals. That is this season. So he's in the 96th percentile um he's 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 basically had as good a season as as he could have hoped for he just moved from austria last season where he he performed pretty well i can't i don't have his numbers in front of me but i think he scored 12 or 13 or 14 goals it wasn't Mm. um anything outstanding but like i say he's made the most of his opportunities um with stuttgart and i think it's interesting because he's not like nico gonzalez is five foot nine or something like he's the opposite mm. kind of player um but Kalajic has offered sort of similar things as well as bringing um a massive aerial presence uh yeah. the ability to a degree to hold up the ball um but he's also a good fit he's a really really calm composed finisher when he's one-on-one um and i think more than anything for Stuttgart and, and the worry for us is his consistency. So he scored eight goals in his last seven games uh, before they played Bayern Munich at the weekend there. Um, and it's not just that he scored eight goals in seven, it's that he scored in each individual game. So I think he scored one goal in every game and then two um, against maybe Leverkusen. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. Um, he is sort of smashing his XG as well. So I think he's got yeah. 13 goals compared to 7.3 XG on FB ref. Um, I think Y Scout have a slightly higher XG rating for him, but either way, um, he's smashing it. But I think the thing is, a lot of it is, pro- I'm going to say a lot of that's probably because he scores headers um, mm. and they tend to be fairly um, tough XG opportunities. Mm. Um, but he is, he's brilliant in there. I think one of the things, and if you haven't seen him play, he's six foot seven, so he's obviously tall. And you, might, I think when people first see him, he's sort of lanky and stecky, he's quite thin. Um, but there's kind of no getting away from the fact that he's six foot seven, so he's still really, really strong compared to you know if you're a six foot tall centre back, he's got seven inches on you. He's he's much bigger, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think he's a, he's a massive threat for us. Um, I'm not really sure how you deal with him. I think he's got really good movement in the box. Um, he's not particularly fast or explosive or anything like that, but just the sort of size of him, he can hold off defenders and get his body in front of them. Um, and on top of that, he's a decent facilitator as well. Um, mostly, mostly just because he's such a nuisance, because he's so mm. big, because he wins so many knockdowns, because he can flick headers on. Um, he's got a couple of assists this season just from doing that. Um, so I think he's a real worry. I think the the only thing, really, in the thing that might give us a bit of hope is that um, he only has two caps so far. So he, mm. he's only really just broken into the national team. And I think of those two caps, one of them 
was a single minute against Romania and the other was 45 minutes against Luxembourg. So he's not really been trusted um, for Austria so far. Um, but I kind of think it will be hard for them to ignore his form currently. He's definitely their most informed striker. Um, he's playing at such a high level. And I think the other thing that's probably in his favour too is that if you look through Austria's striker options, so Michael Gregorich, Kalajic, Onisiwo, uh, Erchin Kara, um, and Adrian Grevich, they're all they're all sort of similar kind of profiles. They're all massive. Um, I think Onisiwo mm. and Grevich are the smallest and they're six foot one. Kara's six four, Gregorich is six four, and Kalajic is six seven. So I don't think they'd have to adapt a huge amount to kind of fit him in. Um, mm. But yeah, he's a real threat. He's in brilliant form, and he's only twenty three. I think he he's sort of still one for the future as well. But he's a really really good player. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a a real handful for us to try and cope with him if he starts. And uh, yeah, I guess that physical presence throughout their team is is definitely going to be something to look out for. Oh, I mean, Sorry, on you go Sorry I'm already sort of foreseeing Grant Hanley's inability to jump being an issue here. <laughs> Not just that, but the prospect of us playing people who aren't natural centre-backs in our central defence as well, yeah. um, with McTominay and or uh, Tierney as well. Yeah, um, exciting things to look out for on Thursday night, right? <laughs> exciting, frightening, terrifying, all the same thing. Uh, yeah. on, just on, on Austria, they also made, I guess, a bit of a a surprise uh, when you look at the the forty one man squad uh, when they eventually worked it down, they still kept in seventeen year old Yusuf Demir from Rapid Vienna. He's only played around about four hundred and fifty minutes this season, but by all means looks very exciting. I guess this looks to me as a move to secure his uh, nationality alignment to Austria with his Turkish heritage. I guess, first of all, can you give us any insight into Demir, any thoughts on Demir? Uh, but then also, as a as the next point to that, is that something Scotland need to to consider uh, in these sort of games with the, the you know the recent news that we've we've lost exciting prospect Elliot Anderson, who's uh, opted to join the England setup? So, can you give us a bit of detail on that? Sure. Um, so Yusuf Demir looks like a really exciting player. Um, as you say, he's only 17 years old, doesn't turn 18 until this summer. He's an attacking midfielder. Um, if you Google his name, you'll see that he's been coveted by various European giants already, or at least linked to them. Um, but he's playing for Rapid Vienna at the moment in the, the top division of the Austrian Bundesliga. And like you said, he's doing very well this season. Limited minutes. Um, so I think he's appeared in 18 league matches, but some of those games weren't full minutes, just substitute appearances. But he already has three goals and two assists. And, and you showed me um, some data for him today. And it looks like, you know, for a 17-year-old to be outperforming a league average and kind of lots of the key kind of attacking or creativity um, kind of metrics, it's very impressive. Um, I, I think your point about whether Austria have called him up um, to kind of fend off any Turkish interest is interesting. Obviously, we don't know if that's the case. He has played for Austria at youth level. So he's got multiple caps for them for under 15s, under 17s, and also some for the under 21s. So, you know, it's not as though there's been a kind of back and forth tug of war, but sure, um, he does have Turkish roots. So he you know, obviously would be eligible for them. And it's interesting that they've decided to, to call him up. Um, I think in terms of uh, how that relates to Scotland, well, yeah, you're right. 
Ellie Anderson of Newcastle United, who is an 18-year-old that would be eligible for Scotland and has played for Scotland at under-16 and under-17 level. He's joined the English um, for this international break in a, a training camp and uh, kind of behind-closed-doors type friendlies they're going to play. Um, I, I, I think in terms of how Scotland need to approach this generally, I don't think you can make a real kind of general rule. I think you've got to approach these things on a case-by-case basis. It's, it's quite difficult to manage, I guess. You, you don't want to kind of be handing out senior caps to people where you're not entirely sure whether they're really going to make it. You know, maybe you end up blocking off somebody else who's actually better's pathway by just, you know, putting somebody in just because they're eligible for another country, even though they might not be better than the, you know, the 22-year-old that's, you know, two or three years above them. But yeah, it's definitely something to consider. Um, and there are a few players, I guess, I should mention who maybe are ones uh, for Scotland to be mindful of in terms of their options. Um, we know about Elliot Anderson. Obviously, Carol Moko Dembele is another kind of famous one. He's in the England under-18s training camp um, during this uh, international break. But in addition to that, um, we've got, for example, Ibane Bowett, who's an 18-year-old centre-back at Fulham that I've been really impressed by. Um, he's a kind of uh, very modern-looking centre-back, left-footed as well. He's eligible for Scotland, England and France, and he's been involved um, for Scotland. He was in our under-19 uh, group that played together last October. But, yeah, he's eligible for another couple of countries, so that's one to, to kind of monitor. There's also uh, Kieran Slicker, who's a goalkeeper, 18-year-old at Manchester City. Um, he's been involved for Scotland as well. He's been in that same group of players for Scotland under-19s last October. He's played for the under-18s and the under-17s, but he was born in Oldham, so, you know, he's got the option of England as well. But, again, you know, I would maybe come back to the fact that you've just got to kind of do what you can on an individual basis, which is maybe a little bit frustrating for us on the outside, you know, where we don't really know why people make these decisions or what's happened or what efforts have made been made to try and persuade them to do what but you know that that's just the way of it you probably as a, a national team can't put out too much information about effectively a child's choice on things mm. um it's got to kind of trust that um the sfa kind of powers that be are, are doing what they can to persuade people to play for us and also for me i, I guess you just need to respect the players choices as well like you know somebody like ellie anderson for instance obviously it'd be nice for us to have him but at the end of the day, he's just got a Scottish grandparent, right? You know, so if he feels that he would rather switch back to England, if he thinks that's better for his career or he has more of a connection there now, um, for me, that's just how it is. And, and you just kind of have to progress with the players that you do have. Um, but yeah, a, a, an interesting facet of things. Um, and the other factor, I guess, to consider here as well is the the current knock-on impacts of COVID and the kind of absence of youth football for some countries, such as Scotland. So Scotland don't have a camp during this training window, you know, as a decision. They don't have any matches um, because, well, they're not going to the Euro under-21s um, and all the other kind of qualifiers for various youth levels have been put back to later on this year. So it might just be that maybe somebody like Anderson, um, you know, there wasn't an opportunity to come to Scotland camp at this point maybe he'll be back at the next one. You know, maybe he's just sounding out his options and seeing what the fit is. And and if it wasn't for the fact that there's an England one now and there wasn't a Scotland one, we might not have been having this discussion. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I think that, uh, well, you're right to say that you have to respect these individual decisions, but I think it's 
I guess it's still that way where you feel like, uh, you know, we want to have these talented youngsters in our, our group and to feel like we're losing. Sure. Uh, these are, is obviously a bit disappointing. Uh, but... I think we could do more in terms of accelerating people generally through the age levels if they're sure. good enough. You know, I'm not just thinking about people for, you know, that are eligible for other countries, but just as a, a general principle, you know, people like Aaron Hickey or whatever being bumped mm-hmm. up to the under-21s, you know, things like that potentially should have happened. But I wouldn't get ahead of ourselves and start, you know, uh, capping 17-year-olds for the senior team unless they're um, of staggering quality full stop, let alone just to stop them uh, appearing for another nation. Yeah, interesting point. Byron, do you have anything, any of your own thoughts to add on to that or, or anything yeah, I was just gonna just want to make sure Billy Gilmore's not got like an English granny or something. <laughs> yeah, I think Gilmore's safe for now. Uh, I think he's from Irvine, so I, I don't know if you get yeah. much more Scottish than that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. I I agree with Owen to be honest. Um, I think it's frustrating as a fan um, to see, especially. I think in this instance, it's not so bad because he's still really quite young at nineteen, I think. Um, but say it was someone who'd played for. Our, 16s, 17s, 19s and 21s and then opted to go off and play for for England or something because they'd had a break, breakthrough at their club. Um, I think it would be a bit more frustrating. It's still frustrating mm. from the fan point of view, but um, obviously understand what Owen's saying, that it's an individual choice. If you feel more of a connection to one country or another, then that's up to you. Um, and no one can really tell you who you should and shouldn't be playing for if you're eligible to play for both of them. So, yeah, frustrating, but ultimately not a lot you can do. Really, really interesting sort of discussion. It'll be interesting to see how that that sort of develops over the coming years. Um, and I guess we just have to trust our own process uh, and how that will pan out. Um, we will be live streaming the game on Thursday and we'll be joined by Gordon from the Tartan Scarf, um, who you can find at twitter.com forward slash the Tartan Scarf for all things uh, relating to the Scottish national team. Uh, we'll be live on Twitch at 730 as the game kicks off, um, we'll be talking through the action as it transpires. So please be sure to, to join us on Twitch.